Good morning, Core Church. Um, yeah, we definitely need to be praying for Laura. Uh, you know, just uh, um, for those of you who don't know Pastor Brad, he was being extremely sarcastic when he said his spiritual gift was uh, was mercy and caregiving. Um, that is um, about as far from the truth as anything could be from the truth. But um, thank God that the, the Holy Spirit gives us strength in our time of need. Um, I don't know who to pray for more in that situation, Brad or Laura, though. The, the giver of that care or the recipient of said care, because that's, uh, that's quite a bit. But um, I'm very uh, honored to, uh, to get a chance to share my heart with you today. And um, this is kind of fun because, you know, typically at Core Church we do um, series-based messages, um, but today kind of gets to be a standalone day. So it's a free space on the board. It's the middle space in bingo. And so we get to kind of do something um, th that, that was my heart to share um, with moms. And so I, um, I tapped into my own maternal instincts. Um, I talked to my wife and I had her talk to her mother friends. And, and so I really hope that today is something that if you are a mom here in this place, that will be helpful to you. But also if you're not a mom and, um, you know, if you're maybe, even if you're a woman or not at that stage of life, or if obviously if you're a guy in this place, that you find something here too, because I think the thing we're going to talk about today is a struggle, yes, that moms face, but it's really something that all of us face, and I hope to bring, I mean, we could do, we could do a whole series just on this, but I really hope to bring some clarity and um, some hope and some renewed optimism into your life on this today, but I do want to take a moment just to pray. I think it'd be good for us to pray for Brad and Laura as we open up. Man, they, 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 miss, they miss you guys, and um, but I think it's great that they get to spend this time together, and, and I think it'd be great, even though it's not a great circumstance while they're home, um, but that God can still turn that, and it can be a special time for them. So let's take a moment and pray for them. Pray for me uh, this morning as well. I knew I was speaking today because yesterday, I think Satan himself came and possessed my children, and um, we always we have a saying around our house that we know when I'm getting ready to speak because, man, the devil just comes in, and, and my wife will look at me, she's like, you must be speaking tomorrow, and I'm like, yep, must be. Uh, man, they did everything short of head spinning, projectile vomiting. You, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, I've got to get up and deliver the word of God tomorrow, and I'm thinking some very unchristian thoughts right now toward my children. But, um, you know, so, so pray, for, pray for me this morning, too. Thank God that he uses us even in our weakness. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we, uh, we just come before you this morning. So grateful, Lord, for your goodness in this place. God, your presence has already been here through our amazing time of worship. Um, Lord, through the, the story we, we got to hear just of, of simple obedience, God, and how you can use that to change, literally to change the world. So Lord, we ask this morning as, as we get ready to dive into your word, Father, that you would speak to us. We pray for Brad and we pray for Laura this morning. Father, that your presence would be there in a special way with them, God. Lord, that they would feel your closeness and they would feel these prayers even right now as we're praying for them, Father, that you would reach out your hand upon them. And Father, Lord, we pray this, um, that you would use these words, and I'm getting ready to say, Father, that wouldn't be me speaking, but it would be your Holy Spirit. And that the enemy would not be able to twist anything, God, that he wouldn't be able to have any say in this place, Father, that we would hear directly from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Um, I thought it would be appropriate for us on Mother's Day for me to open up with um, just an inspiring piece of scripture, just something that for, especially for you moms, that I know is really just going to encourage you, it's going to lift you up, it's going to just really um, set the stage for, for what we're going to talk about today, and it's probably from every mom's favorite passage in the scriptures, Proverbs 31, 
And for those of you in church, I know you just love Proverbs 31, mothers. Let me just, let me just read a little something to get us going, just to kind of encourage you, to bless you, mothers. Proverbs 31, now here's some excerpts from it. She, this is, this is talking about the good wife, she gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. Amen. And plan the works and the day's work for her servant girls. I know early this morning my wife was up, you know, uh, before the crack of dawn, preparing breakfast. No, that, that, um, her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. The Proverbs 31 wife was Pinterest and Etsy before it even existed. This woman was out there crafting her wares and selling a man. She is just so perfect. And, and I got I to gotta confess, that is a lot to live up to. Man, that is just a lot of pressure to try to, that's a big standard. And, and I'm sure all of you moms, after reading that, you just feel real, you would feel inspired right now. You feel lifted up. You're glad you came to church this morning to hear about the standard that none of us are probably doing. Um, see, because here's the deal. As a dad, I, um, I don't fully get the pressure that, that you moms have to deal with all the time because there, there's a double standard. You know, you moms, you, you guys have to go out there and you guys have to be amazing all of the time. As a dad, when I get my turn with the kids, if I feed them a cheese sandwich and take them to the park, I am father of the year. You know, I just, I pat myself on the back. It's like my wife comes home. She's like, honey, the kids are a mess. Like, yep, kept them alive though. Fed them. What'd you feed them? Cheese sandwich? You know, and it's like, I did... I did good, but, but the, the standard is, is different um, for moms. You know, so, so I want to talk a little bit today uh, about the pressure of expectation and what that, what that does. Because all of us, whether you're a mom or not, deal with this pressure of expectation that's put on you. And we all understand it. But, but because it's Mother's Day, talking specifically to moms for men, there's a million different illustrations and examples I could use it in this, but I want to talk about one that's been near and dear to the Surratt family lately. That's about what we feed our kids. Because anymore, it's not just enough to feed your kids some. You can't just roll out, you know, some processed food for them, some chicken nugget thing, you know. It's like that used to be good enough, but now anymore, it's not. Now the food has to be, has to be organic, BPA-free, GMO-free, gluten-free, sugar-free, fat-free, free-range, home-on-the-range. I mean, it has to... You know, and, and why is it that the more times the label says the food is free, the less free that food is? And, you know, it's like, how does this cost so much? There's literally nothing in it, you know, but yet the food costs so much. You know, if you try to shop at one of those whole grocery stores, you know what I'm talking about, man? You buy a papaya and a box of cereal and your paycheck is gone. They ought to rename that place whole paycheck. You know, it's, it's, it is just, it's ridiculous, but we feel this pressure, you know, it's like, oh, now I've got to watch everything, you know, that my kids eat, I can't feed them any junk, and, you know, if, if, I, if we have to go swing through the drive-thru, you know, it's like, it's that battle of convenience versus health, and, and just that whole thing, is this pressure, it's like, oh, I'm failing them, I'm not feeding them what I need to feed them. You know, ex expanding the conversation out a little bit, for you women in this place, there is, there is a lot of pressure that's placed on you by society and by all these things on how you look and how you present yourself. And I say, man, man, I, the women, you, you guys looking good this morning. Mother's Day, you know, I've noticed more dresses, I've noticed, you know, and so you guys are stepping that up. For, for me, I didn't, I literally went in my closet and it's like, I've got this shirt or this shirt this morning. I'll pull this one off 
and that's what I wrote. None of you, when I came on stage, none of you even noticed, you know, what I'm wearing. And as a dude, that's just kind of how we roll. There was a newscaster, actually, that wore the same suit on air for a year. No one noticed. You know, but, but if Lori Fulbright did that twice, you know, we, we'd all pick, that, pick up on that immediately. So there's a different standard there for women. But men, we're not exempt from this kind of pressure either. We have all kinds of pressure put on us, pressure to provide, pressure not just even to provide, but to outdo. You know, if, if you see your neighbor get a new car or see your neighbor get a boat or you see you're on Facebook and you see that, you know, this dad took their family to Disney World and you can't even get to Branson, you know, and it's just, and there's, there's pressure that's putting on you want to keep up, you want to, you want to provide, you want to be a good father, and you, you know, pressure to try to balance work and home, and even for your mom, some of the same thing, that same pressure of trying to be everywhere at once and do everything all at once, and we have all this pressure that comes from us. I think this pressure comes from different places. Um, it comes from media. You know, if you're in the checkout line and uh, you, you see the magazines, it's, it's not um, too hard to see, you know, all these things that you're, you're not supposed to be, you know, that you're not thin enough, that you're not this enough, that you're not that enough, that you're not rich enough, that you're not healthy enough, that you're not this and that. And there's all this pressure that's put on us. There's, there's pressure, you know, in the things that we have and the things that we acquire. I was watching TV the other day and I saw this commercial for a, uh, for a Lexus and the car was barely in the commercial. It was like these two, like, ridiculously good-looking people and they're in, like, France and they're driving the car through, like, this art gallery you know, and he's picking her up, and everything, they just look all perfect, and the car, it wasn't even really about the car, you know, but it was just kind of like trying to stir up this desire that your life isn't, like the tagline might as well have been, your life stinks, by Alexis. you know, it was just, it was just trying to stir up this thing of like, oh, I'm not driving through an art gallery in France with, you know, this, I mean, it's like, I'm, and it's trying to stir up this desire that your life isn't good enough, that your life is incomplete, that your life is inadequate. You know, social media is another area we see that um, pressure gets put on us. Because now all of a sudden, we get to see everyone else in our, in our circle, we get to see them at their very best. We get to see the pictures of them playing board games with their kids or the, the perfect meal that maybe someone prepared for, for her kids or, or that, that great vacation photo that someone took. Or we get to just see all of the great things that people do. And all of a sudden now, we have a way to constantly be seeing how we compare with other people in our life. I think Pinterest has been something that has really um, started, maybe even this whole thing, because now all of a sudden there's a standard of what you're supposed to be, as a, as a, especially as a woman and as a mom. There's a standard of what you're supposed to do, and I, I don't know how to upcycle a tuna can into 15 amazing craft projects for my kid. I'm not doing things right, you know, and there's, there's all this pressure now because of social media that's put on, you know, it's like, I'm not taking my family to that vacation. Or I'm not doing that with my kids. That's, as we were talking about this earlier, someone even said, even when someone airs their grievances or like talks about their bad day on Facebook, I get beat up because I'm like, oh, wow, they talk about their bad day so much better than I would ever talk about my bad day. <laughs> you know, and it was, so it's constantly we're able to compare and, and check to see how we're doing in relation to other people. And even sometimes this pressure comes from innocent things. Maybe a friend will ask, you know, how something's going or how, how things are going in your life. And, and that can trigger things that cause insecurity and feelings of inadequacy in yourself. Someone recently asked me the other day about my baby boy, Andrew. And uh, Andrew's one, but he's as big as like a 10-year-old, you know. And um, so he's asking him, he's like, hey, you know, how, how old's Andrew now? I said, oh, he's just a little over one. And it's like, is he walking yet? You know, I'm like, no, he's not quite walking. And all of a sudden, it's like, should he be walking? Am I doing something wrong? Why isn't he walking? Is he okay? Maybe he's just because he's too big. Is he too big? Are we feeding? You know, and just, just down into the insecurity and adequacy spiral. And it wasn't even something that was malicious. It was just because of my own fear and my own thing. And, and then all of a sudden, I felt inadequate and insecure about that from an innocent comment. And, and so 
what can happen is we can internalize all these voices. We can internalize the voices of the media, internalize social media, internalize all these things, and we start creating a standard for ourselves in our head of what we should be, of how we should be living, of the things we should be doing, of the things we should be eating, of the things we should be driving, of the things we should own, of the way we should be with our kids. And we have this standard, and we see what we want to be, and then we become painfully aware of where we are and how much distance there is between those two things. And so what can happen is, is, is all of a sudden those things feed this feeling of I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. Can I, can I sidebar here for a moment and say the church has actually been pretty guilty of this as well, especially for you women, especially for you moms in here. I think the church has done a pretty poor job of painting what this, what this should be, like this standard. And we've created this standard, and we start beating people up with it, that if you don't look a certain way, if your family isn't composed a certain way, if you're, if you're not presenting yourself a certain way, that you're down here. And, and I want to I illustrate this. I was actually looking um, for a video that we might possibly play on Mother's Day. Um, and so there's all these uh, websites you know, that have like these little Christian, uh, little bumper video things, you know, that, that we can play. And so I found one, and as I watched it, I actually got mad. Like, I literally got mad because of what it was saying. And I think you moms will, will really love this. So I'm watching this video, and I, I don't want to show it, but I, I wrote down verbatim the, uh, the introduction to this video. So here, here it is. This is a Mother's Day video. Today we celebrate moms because, let's face it, we'd be lost without her. So far, so good. Mom can do everything. She can clean the house, buy groceries, work out, feed the kids, prevent a meltdown from her two-year-old and her teenage daughter all before breakfast. Wow. That's the idea of Christian motherhood that we have in the church. That is just, let me tell you, tell you something about Proverbs 31. We opened up with that kind of, kind of poking some fun at that. I think we've taken something that was never meant to be a standard and was never meant to be a guideline. We've created the standard, and we've created this, this ideal that instead of inspiring people, is beating them down. It's especially you women and you mothers in this room, it's, it's beating them down. Look, Proverbs was written as poetry. When, when Solomon would talk about a woman standing in the street named Wisdom, there wasn't a literal woman. It was poetry. It was poetic license. And there's some things in Proverbs 31. It was never meant to be a standard. It was not meant to be a checklist and a, guide, a guideline for, for you women in there. And we've taken something that was not meant to be a standard, and we've created a standard. I love what my wife said when she was telling me about uh, her issues with Proverbs 31. She says, was there ever a time when this Proverbs 31 woman wanted to throw the alarm clock across the room? Did she ever cry at the huge pile of laundry in front of her before she began her Pinterest projects? Did her fine linen gown ever get too small and start to look weird because she gained a few pounds? Church, th th this is what we're talking about. If there was ever a place where it's okay not to be okay. It should be the church. And if you're here in this place and you felt marginalized and you felt belittled and you felt not good enough and you felt inadequate because the church has done a poor job of painting what it means to be a Christ follower, that if you don't have a perfect marriage with perfect kids and you live in some white picket fence house in suburbia and your life doesn't look like that, I just want to take a moment and apologize to you because that is not what Christ intended his church to be. That is not what Christ intended his church to look like. No matter whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced, you're widow, no matter whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, we are all precious. And God 
has wa- he wants this place to be a place of acceptance and not a place where we take the standard and beat you over the head with it, but it's a place where we take the standard and we rise to it because of who we are in Christ. So all this pressure, all this expectation, man, it can lead to crushing feelings of inadequacy. We can say things like, I'll never have what they have. My kids will never be as good as their kids. I'll never be that thin again. We can say, I, I, I can't buy the things I want for my family. I can never find a relationship like, like theirs. And it can just lead to these feelings. We start doubting ourselves. We start beating ourselves up. And we feel inadequate. Then it affects all other parts of our life. We have no joy because we think everyone else is doing better than us. We have no focus because when you're trying to do something, all you can think about are the other things that you're not doing. When you're playing with your kids, you're thinking about the laundry that you're not doing. When you're doing the laundry, you're thinking about how you're not playing with your kids, and it just steals your focus because you're so scattered, and all you can see is the things you're not doing. Uh, It can take your motivation that why even try? I can't do it right. I can't be right. I can't be good enough. Why even try? Why even bother? And it finally can lead to isolation where you feel like, I'm the only person who doesn't have my stuff together. Everyone else, I see their posts, I see all the things that they're doing, and yeah, they may say they're messed, but they've got it so much better than me. I'm falling apart, and I'm the only one who feels this way. And quickly, these expectations, these unrealistic expectations can lead to feelings of inadequacy, which then can quickly lead to feelings of self-hatred. And so today, I want to talk about how we can break out of this cycle of feeling inadequate, the cycle of feeling like we don't measure up and that we're not good enough. See, the thing about the feeling of inadequacy that, that I really want to point out is I think it comes, though, from a, a desire to improve. We want to be better. We want to do better. We want to rise. We want to eat better. We want to live better. We want to love our kids better. We want to be a better Christian. We want to do all of these different things, and we want to improve. We want to be up here, and we're aware of all the shortfalls and all the shortcomings that we have when we live down here. And the thing is, is we begin to try to hate ourselves to get from here to here, to close this gap. We fill ourselves with negative talk, with with self-doubt, with with this thing where you say, you're so fat, you need to lose weight so you can, and we try to hate ourselves. You'll never get your money together. Come on, you've got to get in. And we try to hate ourselves into closing this gap. And we do all kinds of self this, this awful self-talk that's, that's so unkind and so mean to ourselves, and we try to close the gap through self-hatred. And how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? The thing is, it's good, and, and the, the, the problem I've always had with messages about t- talking to try to, you know, to value yourself and to love yourself and those types of things, it's like, I don't want to let myself off the hook. I do want to get better. I do want to improve, and, you know, so, so I don't want you to think that because, you know, you say, I'm going to try to love myself, I'm going to try to to not feel inadequate that says, well, I'm massively in debt, but I'm okay with myself, so that's okay. You know, where, where we let ourselves off the hook for negative things in our life. But here's what I want you to understand, and here's the big idea for today, is that self-improvement starts with self-worth. Self-improvement starts with self-worth. You cannot hate yourself better. You cannot hate yourself better. But the only way to make lasting change in your life, the only way to make lasting improvement, self-improvement starts with self-worth. See, even Jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if I don't love myself, how can I love my neighbor? If I don't value myself, how can I value my neighbor? Self-improvement starts 
with self-worth. We can't show love or goodness or kindness or anything else to other people until we learn how to show it to ourselves. So there's a couple of things I want to give you to try to help you with this, to try to help improve your self-worth so you begin to improve yourself in a way that's healthy and in a way that makes lasting change and in a way that God intended for you to change. So two things. The first thing we need to do is we need an outward change. We need an outward change. See, the thing is there's so many voices in our life telling us what we're not, what we need to be to be happy, and, and there's all these different things coming in. The weight of those voices, just the overall noise of those voices can be crushing. It can just be absolutely stifling where all we hear are these voices that are telling us what we're not, what we don't have, what we need to have, the things that we're not doing, and all these voices that tell us what we're not. And we need to change those outside voices. We need to change those outside words, the out words, in order to begin to see clearly and to have a proper perspective about ourselves. We need to fill our lives with other voices that instead of putting the pressure of society, instead of putting all these pressure of unrealistic expectations, will speak the truth of God into our lives. Um, for those of you that are married in here, I'll talk to you for just a second. So husbands, you probably notice that pretty much every night before your wife goes to bed, she's looking in the mirror at herself, and she's probably doing, she's probably, you know, she's doing this thing, and, and she's pulling parts, she's poking parts of herself, and, and stuff like that, and in, the, in those moments, I guarantee you, husbands, what's happening is the voice of expectation, the voice of society, the voice of all is creeping into her head, and it's saying, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, you don't look as good as you used to look, you're not as thin as you used to be. You know, and all this insecurity and all this doubt and all this thing because of all the expectation that, that, that we even subconsciously just pick up. We pick it up when we watch TV, pick it up when we go to the grocery store, pick it up when we see our friends that, that you know, maybe you're losing weight. It's all, we pick it up and we get so, we can get so insecure. And in that moment, men, she needs you to be the voice of God in her life. She needs you to affirm her. She needs you to build her up. She needs you to tell her that she's beautiful. She needs to tell you that, that you love her now more than ever. She needs you to be the voice of God to combat those other voices that she's hearing all day long, every day. She needs you to build her up because that's your role as the head of the house. That's your role is to speak the truth of God. And when you're a believer in Christ, those words have power. You're not just trying to make her feel better, but you're speaking the truth through the Spirit of God over her life. And that has power to break strongholds. And so, men, you need to do that, not just by your words even, but by your actions. Are you doing anything that's feeding into that feeling of inadequacy? Are you doing things that feed into that feeling of insecurity? Are you building her up? Are you affirming her in Jesus Christ? Because, men, that's what God has called you to do. And I even see that uh, playing out not just with my wife, but with my two daughters as well, Claire and Olivia. I see they'll, they'll come in. If they have a new dress or a new headband, they'll come in. And especially Claire, she'll stand and she'll kind of, she'll kind of give me one of these. She'll look at me. And in that moment, she's wanting me to say, oh, Claire, you look so pretty. And her face just lights up. And, and she, you know, she just knows because I've affirmed her beauty. And there is something powerful, man. If you have daughters, if you have, um, and even for you teenage boys, that, that you affirm the beauty of your mother. That you, God has placed that role on you. And it's important for you to affirm that in the women in your life. Now, for some of you in this place, you don't have someone like that. I want to tell you that, that this is why it's so important that we have community. This is why it's so important that we have godly relationships. Because you need someone in your life that's going to affirm you. You need some people in your life that are going to say, you're not a screw-up. 
You are a good mom. You are a good dad. You are going to be okay. You are going to make it. You are an overcomer. You are better than this. You need people in your life that are going to affirm you. That's why it's so important not to isolate yourself. It's so important to live in community because you need people that will help change the outwards in your life. You need people that will help speak the truth over you. And that's also why it's so important that we get in the Word of God. Because 365 days a year, you're hearing the other voices. 365 days a year, you're hearing what you're not. You're hearing what you're not doing. You're feeling like you don't measure up. You're feeling like you're worthless. 365 days a year, you're doing that. The only time you're getting the Word of God is in church. At the very best, you're being affirmed 52 times a year. 365 verses 52. An average statistic say that people go to church less than twice a month, so it's actually way less than 52. And if you're not filling yourself with the Word of God, if you're not filling yourself with what God says about you, what voice are you going to believe? What voice are you going to give into? Well, let me tell you, it's not going to be the one that has your best intent at heart. It's going to be the one that wants to crush you and oppress you and keep you down and keep you from feeling like you're anything. Let me tell you something. Self-improvement starts with self-worth. and We need to change the mirror that we're judging ourselves in. Instead of judging ourselves in the world's mirror, we have to start looking in the mirror of God's truth, in the mirror of what God says. I have a friend, as we were talking about this, she said that she actually reads the Word of God in journals at night because at nighttime is the time in her day where all those voices start playing in her head, where all those voices start saying, you didn't get this done today, you didn't do this today, you did this wrong today, and she has to pray, she has to read. She, so she does that at night because that's when those voices are strong enough. So maybe some of you need to change that so you're affirming yourself through the word of God, you're changing those outward voices and you're filling yourself up with the truth of what God says about you. So who does, who does God say that you are? I just want to quickly walk through some things that the Bible says that you are. John 1.12 says that you are a child of God. John 15.15 15 says that you are a friend of Jesus. Romans 3.24 says that you are justified and you are redeemed. Romans 8.1 says there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 15.7 says you are accepted by Christ. 2 Corinthians says 5.17 says that you are a new creature in Christ. The old things are gone and passed away. Ephesians 1.4 says you are chosen, you are holy, you are blameless before God. Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's masterpiece. Colossians 3.1 says I, you, we are complete in Christ. We're lacking nothing else. And so let me tell you, when the voice of doubt, when the voice of insecurity, when the voice of you're not good enough comes and tries to to beat you down and tries to oppress you, what you've got to have the Word of God inside of you. You've got to be constantly filling yourself with that so you're not judging yourself by what the world says, but you're judging yourself by who you are in Christ. So we need an outward change, but we also need an inward change. We need an inward change. We not only have to change the voices on the outside, but we have to change the ones on the inside, the inward voices as well. I think Jesus gives us some insight into this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 44, he says this, You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, we always think of the scripture in terms of other people, you know, the the person in our job we can't stand, you know, the person that, that cut us off in traffic and gave us the one-finger salute. You know, we always think of 
those people. It's like, I gotta pray for them, gotta love my enemies, gotta love my enemies. But what I wanna submit to you today, church, is that I believe God wants us to begin to learn to love the enemy that's in the mirror. Because many of you would agree that at times you're so down on yourself, you're just so negative on yourself that you are your own worst enemy. And there's not a person that you dislike on this planet more than yourself. And there's not a person that you feel worse about more than yourself. And there's not a person you talk bad about more than yourself. And there's not a person that you think less of more than yourself. And you have become your own worst enemy. And instead of warring with your enemy, instead of beating up your enemy, instead of hating the enemy in the mirror, what if you began through the power of of Jesus began to love the enemy. Love the enemy that's in the mirror. What if you started to show love to you? Well, how do, you, how do I do that, Daniel? How, you know, how do I begin to show love to myself? We talk about changing the inward voice. I think we can find the answer in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Famous passage of scripture, probably read at every Christian wedding, 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 ever. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. What if we began to show the enemy in the mirror this kind of love? What if we began to show the enemy in the mirror the love that Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians? Because we're so mean to ourselves. We never talk about other people the way we talk, or the words that we use to describe ourselves. The words that sometimes I use to describe myself when I call myself, that when I'm feeling stupid, I'm feeling ugly, or I'm feeling like I'll never be good enough, or I'm feeling like a failure. And some of you call yourself harsher words than that. I'm trying to keep it PG here, you know, but, but you, and you're hard on yourself. You need to begin to show love to the enemy in the mirror. That when you're feeling like you'll never get it right, that when you're feeling like you'll never measure up, that when you're feeling like no matter what you do, nothing in your life is going to change, you begin to blame yourself and you begin to get angry with yourself and you begin to hate yourself, that in that moment you could say, love is patient. And I'm going to be patient with myself. And I'm not going to let myself fly off the handle at me because I'm going, to be, I'm going to extend love to the enemy in the mirror. I'm going to extend love to my enemy. I'm saying, I'm going to be patient with you because God has been patient. And God wants to change. And so I'm not, going to, I'm not going to get myself all bent out of shape. I'm going to show love. I'm going to be patient. And when you start venturing down this thing where you start beating yourself up and you start getting negative and you start feeling like you don't measure up and you start feeling inadequate you start calling yourself all these things in your head and you start thinking I'll never be this again I'll never be that I'll never measure up I'm failing my kids hate me my, my spouse hates me all these things and you start beating yourself up that in that moment you could say love is kind and that you could be kind to yourself and that you would not call yourself the things that you're calling yourself right now you could stop in that moment and say, no, I'm going to be kind to my enemy. I'm going to show him kindness. I'm going to show her kindness. In that moment, you could stop and say, no, I'm not going to talk about myself this way because love is kind. And God, you're helping me to love my enemy. So right now, I'm going to show them kindness. And I'm not going to talk about myself that way because of who I am in Christ, because of all those things that we just mentioned before, that when you're going to bed at night, 
and the list of everything that you've done wrong is replaying in your head. You're thinking about all the things you failed short of today, all the things that you didn't get done today, the time you snapped at your kids, the time you snapped at your spouse, the time you snapped at your friends, the thing that went wrong at school that day, the thing that happened at work that day, the thing that made you feel like an idiot, the thing that made you feel insecure, the thing that you did where you wronged someone, all that stuff is playing in your head that you would stop and say, love keeps no record of wrongs. And then in that moment, you say, I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs for myself. Because I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to love my enemy. And that means I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to remember all the things that I've done wrong. But I'm going to love him. Sam, would you guys go ahead and come back up? That in that moment where you feel like you're going to give up on yourself, that you're not going to make it, where that inadequacy becomes crushing, when the weight of expectation becomes too much to bear and you feel like giving up and you just want to throw in the towel that you would remember that love does not give up. It does not lose faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Church, can you begin to love the enemy in the mirror? Can you begin to show love toward that person in the mirror that sometimes you hate more than any other? Can you begin to show love to your enemy? Because let me tell you something. Self-improvement starts with self-worth. And if we don't get this right, if we don't get who we are in Christ right, if we don't get our identity right, if we keep living, thinking of ourselves as defeated, as less than, as weaker, then, then we won't experience the fullness of what God wants to do in us. You can't hate yourself better. You can't shame yourself better. It has to begin by understanding who you are in Christ. It has to begin by loving the enemy. Because God is love. And when he comes and fills us, his love fills us and it comes through us. And that not only extends to the people outside of this body, but it extends to myself as well. For some of you in this place, you need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself for how you talk about yourself, for what you think about yourself. You need to let that go because God wants to bring healing into your life. And he didn't come just to set you free from anger and unforgiveness and resentment towards those in your life. He came to set you free of that for yourself. And if you're living under that burden, if you're living under that feeling like you're never going to measure up, I want to release you from that in Jesus' name. I want to release you from that. Moms, you're doing great. You're doing great. And you're good enough. And your kids love you. And you haven't failed them. And you haven't failed your husband. And you haven't failed your wife. You're doing great. And if you're not everything you want to be yet, don't beat yourself over the, up over that. Say, God, I just see the areas that you're going to improve in me. I see the areas where you're going to change me and where you're going to grow. And God, I'm not giving up on myself. I'm not losing hope in myself. I'm not losing faith in myself because God, you're working a miracle in me. And one day I'm going to stand on this mountain. I'm going to look at the things that used to make me feel inadequate. I'm going to look at the things that, make, that used to make me feel like dirt and I'm going to have victory over them in Jesus' name. But I'm not going to hate myself there. God, I'm going to let your love 
fill me toward me. Some of you today, maybe you need to cut off some of those negative outward voices in your life, those things that make you feel inadequate. Church, if, if you get on Facebook and you just leave more frustrated than when you logged on, if you get on Pinterest and you just leave more frustrated and you just leave feeling like you didn't do it, man, you can cut it off. You can cut it off. Even just for this week, you need to cut it off. If, if Guys, if, if you get online and you just start looking at all the things you want to buy that you can't afford, you need to stop. I need to stop. Because it's not helping. All it does is make you feel more inadequate. Maybe you need to stop. You need to give that up for this week. Maybe for some of you, you need to change that inward voice. You need, to, you need to put 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 up on your mirror so that every time you want to beat yourself up, you say, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. I'm going to turn that over to God. For some of you, maybe you need to do that. You need to make some radical changes because you won't unlock that distance. You won't unlock what God wants to do in your life until you learn to extend grace and you learn to see yourself as God sees you. And we sang it this morning. And I think there's power in that because it affirms us that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I have value. I have worth. And it's not because of me. It's because of who Christ is and what he's done in my life. And if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, I want to tell you that the, the step toward, toward feeling that release from all that, that shame and that release from all that guilt, that's what the Bible calls sin. And the only way to feel that release from sin is relationship with Jesus by accepting and believing in his work on the cross for you and God has brought you into this place so you can know he loves you passionately and you are not a screw up you are not a failure but the reason that you feel the weight of those things that are going wrong in your life is God is trying to get your attention he's trying to draw you to himself and he's not doing that so you'll be a better person he's not doing that so you'll measure up he's not he's doing it because he wants to have a relationship he wants you to know him. So that's why he's brought you here into this place today. So Father, we just come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. For those right now, I just, maybe God has spoken something into your, into your heart this, this morning and I don't want to list off a bunch of specifics. We talked about a lot of things today, but man, if God spoke something to you and he challenged you with something and you know there's an area in your life that um, God's put his finger on because of this message, I want to pray for you. So whether that's, you know, needing to change the outward voice or the inward voice or needing to forgive yourself, you need to look in the mirror and say, man, will you forgive me? Because I've been mean to you and I need to stop. Whatever that is, and God's put, a, God's put his finger on your life. I want to pray for you this morning. Will you raise your hand so I know who you are? And hands going up all over the place. Father, I just pray for those that um, you put a finger on this morning and, and you've just pointed something out, Lord. Whatever it is, um, God, that if there's those that need to learn to, to let go and just forgive themselves and trust in you, God, and, and know that you've got it. And maybe, maybe people in here have been hating, trying to hate themselves better, and they need to stop. And they need to realize, God, that they're not going to get better until they get, they get work on their self-worth, self God, that, that 
they understand who they are in you and they understand God there. They need to fill themselves with, with your truth and, and let you change them from the inside out. So Father, I just pray for those that are in this place, God, that, that are like that, Father. Just whatever your speak, whatever your Holy Spirit is speaking over us right now, God, that we, you would do that. Um, while, while still praying, if, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, your, your life currently isn't, you, you just know, you know you're not following Jesus right now. You know you're separated from him. You know that you've not asked him for forgiveness for all those, all those things, all those crushing inadequacies you have. You, you have no way to atone for that. You need the forgiveness of Jesus this morning. Or maybe you're here in this place and you used to walk with God, but that was a long time. It seems like ages. It seems like another life ago that you walked with God and you want to come back. You want to recommit your life to Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you've never made that commitment or you've made it, but you know you've, you've walked away from that commitment and you want to come back to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning, but I want to know who you are. And I want to ask you to be bold. And I think coming to Christ, the, sometimes that step of boldness can be the thing that really solidifies it and cements that in us. Man, just know that he brought you here this place on this Mother's Day. Maybe you're a drug here. Maybe you're here as a favor to your wife or a favor to your mom, whatever that is. And, and, you're, and all you're waiting for is just a chance to go get lunch afterwards. Man, God brought you here on purpose. He brought you here for a reason. And this is that reason. So if you're here today and you say, I know I'm not living for Christ, but I want to. I want to give my life to him. I want, I want that fresh. I want to ask him for his forgiveness. I want to ask him for, to make me whole. If that's you in this place, I'm just going to simply count to three. And when I do, I just want you to boldly raise your hand as that step of faith in coming back to Jesus. One, two, three. Anyone here in this place? Thank you in the middle. Thank you in the back. Anyone else in this place? I'm coming to Jesus. I want to give my life to him. Anyone else? This is why we're here, church. Anyone else? I'm going to come back. Let me rededicate my life. Finally, if you're here in this place and, and you know there's people in your life that are far from God, you want us to agree with you in prayer. I just want you to get those names. If that's you in this place, man, I've got people in my life that are far from God. Will you pray for me so that I can continue to reach them? Will you raise your hand so we can pray for you this morning? Man, thank you guys all over. Let's pray out loud in support of those that made that decision to follow Christ. Let's pray out loud. Everyone together, everyone out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for speaking to me today. I recognize my need for you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. I believe in you. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again. From this day forward, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, church. Can we celebrate changed lives here this morning?